Welcome to Want Her, a community-driven podcast for the like-minded female, passionate about creativity, self-discovery, and letting out that inner weird. Brought to your ear holes by two cross-country friends, we want to project one thing. Self-discovery is a lifelong journey, and one that should be fun experiencing. Here, no topic is off-limits. We're just like you, striving for connection, laughter, and the continual reminder that we can actually be whatever the f*** we want. Here's Olivia and Sandy. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. We have another new guest today, which is super exciting, and Olivia knows her. I do that's like kind of a loose term. I mean, I definitely do. We went to high school together, so I haven't like seen her outside of Facebook and Instagram for mm-hmm. quite a few years. But I was just telling her that I'm like slightly intimidated because she was a year older than me and just like always so put together in my mind. And now she's like this thriving Columbus, Ohio realtor. And honestly, your little videos that you make, I'm like, she should be on Selling Sunset or something. Yes! Oh my gosh. When I was talking to you, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I I wish, man. I don't know if they actually even sell real estate though. Like that's my question. Like that's I agree. Do you think they're actually managing transactions or are they just filming? That's what exactly. I Exactly. Exactly. That is my exact thought too. I love the show, but I've always thought that. I'm like are they really they're they're probably not doing the dirty work of behind the scenes of like what actually is what it's like to be a realtor i i I doubt they're doing the day-to-day per se maybe they are i could be totally wrong i actually don't watch those shows because i live in that world so like to relax i don't relax by watching houses in real estate or renovation shows because i'm building a house right now i don't watch renovation shows right now because i have to stay I live in that world every day. Yeah. yeah. That makes well, so but, much sense. Before we get into it, we should probably say like your name and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If oh, you want to take just a couple minutes to say who you are, feel free. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty of everything. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone. I am Allie Beebe. I am a local Columbus realtor. I grew up in a small town. I went to Norway. Um, after college or after high school, I went to Wittenberg, uh, university, which is a small liberal arts college in Springfield, Ohio. And my husband and I, we met at church in high school. We didn't go to the same high schools, but we met at youth group and we both went to Wittenberg together. And then, um, just decided that Columbus was probably going to be, a bigger city to put down some roots and build careers and build a family. And um, there was just going to be more opportunity we felt here. Um, And we really loved it. We really loved what Columbus had to offer. We'd come here on the weekends and shop and eat and spend weekends here. Um, And so we kind of just landed here once Alex graduated because I graduated early um, which you may have, did you do post-secondary too? I feel like anyone who did post-secondary like graduated early. Did you go to Wayne? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I took classes, but they were always at Norway still. So I never went uh, to Wayne. I graduated like normally. And- okay. Well, I graduated high school normally, but I graduated college early then Although, because I got no. so much done in high school. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> you're, you're like, nah, I stayed. I, <laughs> I stayed on campus though. So I rented a 
private off-campus apartment that was across the street from my husband and all our friends, my then boyfriend. Um, so I basically pretended I was on campus for that last year, but I was at least making money like a salary so I could (laughs) afford stuff and, you know, I could cover the pizza for the senior (laughs) year in college. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Before we like really get into stuff, I want to just say that Allie has an incredible story and Mm -hmm. I just wanted, we wanted to give space for anybody that's listening to just have access to it because it's incredible, but it's kind of heavy. So we wanted to lighten things up with like a quick game. And I've been thinking about it, Sandy. I don't know why we call it games. It's kind of just like story time. (laughs) (laughs) Since I know Allie from high school, I was trying to think of something that would be, I don't know, it was easy for me to come up with where it's like, what's something that you thought was really, really cool in high school that you did, whether that's like something you wore, how you did your hair, something that's like totally cringy now. And it immediately came to me. So if I need to start, I can totally do that. I'm not sure, but I feel like mine's going to be the cringiest of all. <laughs> I can't wait to hear you, it. You should, you should start. You should okay. start. Yeah. And, and I don't know, like, I feel like I was totally rocking this when we would have interacted. So maybe this is like, I don't know. I just feel like it became like a staple of what Mm -hmm. I looked like because I didn't know how to like (laughs) style myself any other way. But like the 2010s in the beginning where it was all about the bump, I did the Mm -hmm. bump big time. And then it got to a point where like when I was a freshman, I had my, my mom was like, I don't want you to get bangs. And I cut them on my own. I was like, screw you. So I had swoop bangs from like the opposite corner of my forehead to the other side. Like they looked horrible. Oh, like the big heavy ones. <laughs> yes, I had that. And then I did a bump for a while. And then I even had like the swoop bangs bump bump. Like I did like a half up with a bump too. Like it was a lot. Um, I need and a I picture. like. No, I was going to yeah. say, like, I look back at those pictures and I like shudder because it's just so <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I feel like anytime I go through the deep dives of my Facebook memories, I'm like, oh, oh. I was, I, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Me. me too. I love that. Allie, do mm. you want me, want me to go or do you want to go? Um, you can go. <laughs> okay. Mine's really, I don't know. I I had a tough time thinking about this one, but I remember it was senior year prom. We go and get our makeup done, have someone do it. And she's like, I was wearing like a blue turquoisey dress. And the lady was like, do you want blue eyeshadow to match your dress? I'm like, Ooh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now I look back on those pictures. I'm like, what was I thinking? That's terrible. It was, that was a big like eighties trend, right? Yeah. Pulling it out. I love that. It was very blue and it cringy now. (laughs) (laughs) At least it was only one day, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So I probably have two things. So the first one that came to mind when you asked me, like, what's something you did in high school that's cringy? And it's like what I would post on my Facebook um, Mm -hmm. timeline and what I would Mm -hmm. post on other people's timelines. So (laughs) it would be like, none of it makes sense looking back now, but it like one time I posted like, Oh, got to go to health point to work out. And it's like, why did I announce? Like, I know I share about fitness and I'm very active now, but it's in a different way. It was like, 
Oh, exactly. Uh, have to go get chocolate milk, go to hot, go to health point. Like it was like updating the day by day or like, Oh, going to have a bonfire later. Like yes. those are the things I put out into the world then. So that's kind of embarrassing looking back about the play by play I gave people about my life as terms of like what I looked like or what I wore. I think the majority of my photos with like friends at football games, getting ready for dances was the peace sign duck face. And I think it was just like in every photo. (laughs) And I don't think that needs to make a comeback. I think that can stay in high school. (laughs) I agree. Uh I did that a lot too. Yeah, I think both of those are so relatable because I even will still share with like my best friend that I had still in high school that's still my best friend now. Like, yeah, what the heck was this about? Like, even, you know, how at the bottom of uh, your text messages, you could have like a signature. Yeah, I like had some really uncomfortable ones. Like I was in love. I don't even know if you guys know uh, Jay Cohen, the country yeah. music yeah. singer. I like was married to him in my mind. And like, he has <laughs> this really, it's not a popular song at all. And it's like, actually really sad if you look up the lyrics and like the meaning behind it. But I don't know why it was like really attached to me. And it's called Green Bananas. And I like had it where... You know, the first letter letter was lowercase and then uppercase and then lowercase and it had like stars on the outside of it. It said green bananas. Like nobody knew that. And it, for some reason, I like wanted that associated with me. It's just very weird. Yeah. Or changing your ringtone, like your call tone to a song that meant something about someone. Today's generation will never, they'll never know what that was like. They really And I think won't. it's. It's character development, right? Because all these girls are like on TikTok now as 12-year-olds just like doing all these trendy dances. And they're and like, cute. And they're cute. cute. And we were like. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. I love it. I feel like the story time was so good. It was. <laughs> just, we could go on and on and on about it. Exactly. <laughs> I was really like, what the heck is Allie even going to say? Because I can think back in high school. And I was like, you just always were like so cool to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And no, sometimes I felt like such, like I didn't fit in sometimes. Um, You're yeah, too, cool. I too mature. Oh, maybe too mature. Maybe too no. mature. I take that. I've always been an old soul. Like everyone tells mm-hmm. me that. Like I'm very much an old soul. I'm about to turn 30 and I feel like I'm 65. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I can a little bit too. I just definitely know that like the years that was okay to be immature, I was like level 100 with that for sure. <laughs> you li- you lived it up. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So that, was that was really fun. fun. <laughs> so let's, I'm kind of just, we're going to kind of just like give the floor to you. Just mm-hmm. tell your story the way that you experienced it, the way that you see fit. And we'll kind of just react and respond with questions after that. Cause I kind of know the basis of it. I know Sandy creeped you of course. Cause I was like, yes. she's going to be on our podcast. She's, she's so, so cool. Like, oh my um, God. Oh but my obviously gosh. not like all the details about no. it. So whatever you feel is important, we want to give space to that. Cause it is such a, it's a hard story, but it's so inspirational and I'm just so excited to like sit back and listen to it. So whatever you want to do, have at it girl. Awesome. So do you, want to start with like after college what led me into entrepreneurship or jump right into 
you had kind of said that you, what, before you got into being a realtor, you like were doing something completely different. And then when you switched, it was kind of like, oh, this is the lowest amount of money I've ever made. Like those kind Mm -hmm. of stories are really interesting for us too. And we've had other guests that have kind of talked about entrepreneurship like that as well. Um, So I'm just curious because I don't really know that side of your story. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I'll start a little bit further back. So I graduated from college with my degree degree in communication and started working for Gordon Food Service in their marketing and events department. So I was planning food shows and client events and working on campaigns to drive product and trends within the within the company and to some of the external customers which their customer were uh, were restaurants, small businesses um, who needed food service. So I loved it. I loved who I worked with um, there, but I always was like, this isn't the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where my career progression is and where my passion lies here. Yeah. So I learned a lot. I developed there. I, I grew a lot there and was there for a few years and then got into kitchen design for a custom cabinetry company, which Olivia, do you know Daiso Custom Cabinetry? The name is really familiar. Yeah. They're out of Creston. Okay. Creston Burbank. I don't know. It's like that cutoff where it's like yeah. Burbank out of Creston. Sweet. Um, so worked for them for like a year and a half. And that was a good step in the direction of seeing what it felt like to go to work for a small business from a big corporation. Like, where it's just night and day different. And I was helping clients. I managed a showroom down there and I was helping clients design their kitchen bathroom remodels. So I was picking out cabinetry colors and countertops and sometimes was helping with tile, but focused a lot on design, like designing the cabinet. Where do you want drawers? Where do you want doors? How big do you want your island? Are you taking the cabinets to the Mm -hmm. ceiling? And I loved it. So I was like, oh, like maybe I'd also really like real estate. Not that like they go hand in hand, but they kind of do like Mm -hmm. interiors. I was very passionate about that. And this was end of 2018. My husband and I got married in 2017 and we knew that we wanted to be married for a couple of years and then start our family. And so obviously kids cost money and you typically Mm -hmm. want some financial stability when, if you can, when you're Mm -hmm. planning to have a child. And so I was like, all right, if I'm going to try to do this, if I'm going to try to start a business I know nothing about, have never, have no connections in Columbus. It's not like I have a huge family that I can just help all my family and friends buy a house. Um, I was like, it's going to be now. And so I reached out to the realtor who sold me my house. I loved her. We just really hit it off. And it's a total... God thing, because at the same time, she was feeling like maybe it was time for her to step into uh, and start a team and be more of a leadership role. But she didn't know what that would look like. And Mm. I happened to reach out. And so we got coffee. And it's a really long story. But to sum it up, I decided to get my real estate license at the end of 2018 and go all in like I, I quit my job. So I had to figure out something and I did all different kinds of things to make money and support me while I was not making any money in real estate. So I would do nannying, babysitting. I would help out some different families around their house, just manage their household. I did marketing, freelance marketing. Mm -hmm. So I really was trying to do everything I could to help pay the bills. Cause we also were doing Dave Ramsey at the time and paying off some student loans and car debt. 
Amazing. It was all a lot at one time, but it all, I really do feel like it all worked together to get us to where we were. Um, and so was able to get us to a place where financially I could take a income step back. So my first year in real estate, I sold um, 10 houses and not bad for your first mm-hmm. year in real estate, having no, like I wasn't given any clients. Like our business is set up in which we're partners and we both kind of run our own businesses, but mm-hmm. together as a team. So we have the team umbrella, but she has her clientele and I have my clientele. And um, so took a step back and was like, I don't like, I don't know. Am I going to do this? Am I, I going to be able to make enough money? But the, the goal was to build a career that would allow me to be a, a stay at home mom part-time. That's what I really wanted. And I wanted to try to figure out how to do that before I had our first baby. That way I knew if it worked or not. And I knew if I could do it, like, could I run my business and manage it in a way that would also allow me to stay home? And it, it does now. Um, we've only ever sent Nora to daycare two days a week. Um, we do have help on some Fridays with my mother-in-law. Um, but then there's plenty, you know, a lot of days where I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to stay home with her this Friday, or I don't need to work this Friday because a lot of my work is evenings, weekends when my clients need me to work. And there are weeks that are really, really heavy with work. If I'm listing a couple of houses, houses, and then there's weeks that are lighter. Um, but really the, the goal was to see, could I build something that would financially support us while also giving me the flexibility to be the mom schedule I wanted to have, Mm -hmm. which is why I got into real estate. Oh, cool. I love that. I'm kind of transitioning into that role myself. I'm pregnant right now, so I'm trying to figure that all out. So it's been interesting for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And there's no, it like changes. It's hard. Like there's no perfect, but I think some I I had to take a step back to be able to take the leaps forward that I've found I love now, that. and I'm glad I did that because it was scary at first. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't have a very big savings account, and it was paying the bills, and I was trying to figure out how could I make an extra few hundred dollars here and a few hundred dollars yes. there. Um, but now the blessings are abundant and more than you know, Aww. more than I imagined. And so I think sometimes just taking that little bit of risk to follow what it is that might be important to you or might be a passion of yours or might allow you to live the type of life that you want to live. For us, it was, how can I stay home part-time but have a career also that I love love and and passionate about? That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so you started thinking about it in 2018. So then when did you get your real estate license? How soon after that? So start like a month. So wow. I I decided I was going to go all in. So I quit my job and oh. spent three weeks getting my real estate license online. Sweet. And then was able, was officially licensed with the state like January 4th of 2019. So oh, I had the awesome. full, 2019 was my first full year. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So yeah. it's now been four years. That's amazing. Yeah. 20. Yeah. So all tw- yeah. Am I in year five? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm in year five. Yeah. I think. That's awesome. I think it's really cool to sit back and like hear you put the pieces together that was like, I knew what I wanted. So I did this to make sure it was going to happen. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a hard time being like, I know what I want, but like, how do I get there? 
So it's interesting to just hear you kind of like trust the process, but also like do everything that you could to really get there. Yeah. 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 And it was, you know, a lot of it was just trial and error, trying things that worked, really getting to know people, really getting involved in my community, doing things on the real estate side of business that, you know, didn't pay dividends for three years, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've spent a long time trying to be my neighborhood expert. And, you know, there used to be another realtor who always got all the listings in my neighborhood. And just oh. this year, I've had five since May. And oh. but it's been three, four years of me providing value to my neighbors, doing neighborhood events, sending out postcards, just doing the activities. You have to do the activities for so long before you start to see the payoff. And I think sometimes people will quit too early. They give up too early. They Mm -hmm. think it's not working. No matter, it's not like real estate, uh, doesn't even have to be real estate, but whether it's health or fitness or career or whatever, you give up before you start to see the reward. Yeah, there's an element of being impatient. (laughs) <laughs> for sure. I, I have that big time. So I'm kind of in like a transition phase to where I'm trying to like get out of nursing and I'm trying to do all these things to get money still. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, when is this going to like kind of shift to be like the balls rolling in my direction? So it's nice to sit here. And I mean, I know from Sandy too, cause she's her own photographer. She's a photographer and all of that, yeah. that it like, it can work out if you just work really hard. So yeah. I love that. Um, as somebody that doesn't know like anything about being a realtor. So you said your first year you sold like 10 houses, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now that yeah. you're more established in that, what is like the normal number of houses per year that's like considered good? Cause I have no idea. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that could vary too, depending on what mm-hmm. lifestyle you want and what. Sure, yeah. So for me, I think I've, Usually I'll do between 20 and 30 houses a year, um, but the price point has gone up. So like that first year in real estate, I sold 10 houses, but it was like 1.5 million versus this year I'll surpass for the first time ever, which is crazy, um, 10 million in a year of real estate sales. So that I'm... the The price point has gone up of the sales volume versus just the number of transactions. I'm very happy and comfortable if um, I sold 16 to 25 houses. I mean, even more than that. But there are some realtors who are very proud and awesome, and I cheer them on 100% of the time, who might be happier doing 30 to 40 transactions a year. That's just as an individual... I'm an individual agent on a team. So if I'm thinking about the number of clients I can help a year and still maintain the mom and wife and life and health and all the things that I need to as a person, I'm probably comfortable around that 20 to 25 mark. Okay. Yeah. And knowing what I know about your story and even Sandy knows Mm -hmm. the basics of it. You think about her still like on that upward momentum, Mm -hmm. given everything that happened and it's even more like, I'm not worthy. <laughs> like this is oh so you're just like so inspiring. So I'm excited to kind of like dive into that side yeah. of the story too. If you if you feel like this yeah. is a good time now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'm pretty much an open book. Um in twenty so in twenty twenty, the world shut down. We had all these grand plans before it shut down that I was gonna run a marathon and we were gonna go to Greece and we were gonna do all the things we wanted to do oh. before we had a baby. 
then the pandemic happened. And it's like, well, no one's going anywhere or doing anything. So what are we waiting for? Let's start our family. So we got pregnant in summer of 2020 with Nora. And for the most part, the pregnancy was normal up until about halfway through. Um, in January of 2021, I had to get a Rogam shot, which because I'm an O, mm-hmm. I'm O negative. So I had to get the Rogam shot because Alex is positive, right? Like you'll, Olivia, you'll know this more yeah. than me. Don't make me explain it though. Like I get what you're <laughs> <I> saying. <laughs> it's very confusing. So I had to get that shot and I had a really bad reaction to it. Like mm-hmm. I remember going home that night and was like, my arm is killing me. I can't move my arm. My neck is killing me. And so I was rubbing my neck because it was so sore. And I felt a little lump above my collarbone that I didn't know I had, that I didn't know I had. And so I remember the, this is the very start. I called the doctor on demand and I was telling her my symptoms and she's like, I'm sure it's nothing. Just follow up with your primary care. Mm. So about a month went by and what felt like smaller than a marble or around the size of a marble grew into a significant lump that you could see on the side of my collar, like right above my collarbone on the side of my neck. And, um, I eventually went to my OB and told her, and then she sent me to primary care all the while I'm you know, still in like my busy season, because it's spring, busy wow. season can pick up at end of January, February, this is the February, March timeframe, all this is happening. Mm-hmm. And so I go to my primary care doctor, and she's like, let's just go get an ultrasound. Also, I should preface it that this is COVID. So I had to do all of this alone. Um, oh, yeah. So I was going to all these appointments alone. And things move really, really fast when you're going through a diagnosis, but they all told me it was nothing. They're like, it's pregnancy related. It's weird. Like there's no way this is anything. So they sent me to get an ultrasound at Riverside and I went and got the ultrasound and the techs can't tell you anything. They can't, they're emotionless. Like they really, I didn't know what to gather. So I went, they rushed me that same day, got me the ultrasound. And then before I even talked to my primary care doctor, I got an alert through my my chart that I had an ENT appointment for the following week. And I was like, Hmm. I remember I was supposed to be going to show a house and I am, you know, I'm in my 30-ish weeks, like somewhere in the 30 to 33 week timeframe at that point, probably. And I like called Lex, my business partner and team lead at the time. Um, she's still the team lead. I called her and I was like, I can't show it. Like, like I am hyperventilating. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I just had an ultrasound and they already scheduled me an appointment, but I haven't heard from my doctor. And I don't, why do they want me to see an ENT? It is something. I knew it was something. It's going to be something. Mm -hmm. And she's like, just calm down. I was like, Lex, I'm bawling. I'm not going to make it. She's like, just go home. I need you to drive yourself safely home. Go home. The house can wait. We'll figure it out. And so I went home hysterical and not many people, we didn't tell a ton of people, just a few that we were going through checking out what was this lump? What, why was, why did I have this lump on the side of my neck? So I went the following week to the ENT and they said like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. We could try some antibiotics. And I'm like, listen, I've been on antibiotics in the last few months for other things. It like, can we just know we need to know? So he's like, all right, you know what? Let's just go ahead and get you some answers. And so they sent me for an MRI 
again, all these things that are very scary to be going through on your own. On top of being pregnant, like, holy crap. Right. Um, And like, my husband was always there for everything that he could be. It was just, there were things they didn't allow guests in for. Um, And so I remember getting the MRI. The, The ladies were the sweetest and they, you have to hold really still. And at this point, I'm just like, based off memory, I'm probably like 35 weeks pregnant. So I'm laying on my back at 35 weeks pregnant in this MRI machine. And like, they had to pull me out because it was like, hold really still. And it was taking forever. And so I ended up, I was like, I have to come out. Like I have to come out. My back is killing me. Like I can't lay on hard. So they got me pillows and they got me more comfortable and, and they really helped me get through there. And so got through the MRI, my ENT, they rushed everything since I was pregnant and they just were trying to keep me from being under too much stress. I think, um, they were able to rush some of the reading. So they read it. Then that showed that I had things going on in my chest. I don't, I say things like I had swollen lymph nodes, like they weren't tumors. I don't know. I still don't fully understand the ins and outs of all of it, but it showed that I had the same thing going on in my neck was also going on in my chest. We didn't know that because we couldn't see it. We couldn't feel it. I just didn't know in my mediastinum. I think. Um, and so then that's when I think the doctor started to get a little bit nervous and I still am like, okay, well it's there too, but what does that mean? And then it became a conversation of, okay, well, if we needed to do an emergency C-section, are your airways going to be impacted? And so they're like, let's do, let's do a needle biopsy. Let's figure out what's going on. So because I'm pregnant, they weren't going to do, they couldn't do much in terms of like, they just numbed it, but they couldn't give me, like, they couldn't put me under, we couldn't do CTs. There were things that we couldn't do. And I also was so tired of being poked and prodded because I'm terrified of needles Yeah. Um, that I like refused an IV. I was like, don't give me, I don't want an IV. Like, I don't want one of those in my hand. And so we, they pushed me back for the needle biopsy. And I remember I had to lay there really still like this. And I'm looking at the screen and they're prepping me. And I like, I can smell it with like yeah. the wow. stuff they're wiping on my neck to sanitize it or sterilize it. And, um, they numbed it and it wasn't painful, but I remember laying there and I'm looking at the screen and I can see in the ultrasound or imaging device, whatever they're doing to take, they're like doing a lot of little pricks to take Mm -hmm. samples. Mm -hmm. And I remember going like, I'm really hot. And I tell my nurse that, and I was about to pass out. (gasps) Yeah, Yeah. And so then my vitals dropped and oh, then the the sir had I mean she he's probably a surgeon he was a I mean I I'm trying to think of what his title was the guy actually doing it. and he was so nice he was so nice um but I remember the nurses rushing around like oh hold on elevator so then but then I think they ended up putting me the other way like they tilted me back more like this Yep, yep. Um, and then I remember him yelling at like, "Why is there no IV? Give her fluids, push her fluids." And it's all just, I was just gonna pass out because I was overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was fine. I was just overwhelmed. I I also 
passed out when my sister had a baby. So I don't do well with medical stuff. Like (laughs) I get in my head and I just paint. Um, And so that was terrifying. They do the needle biopsy. They get it done. I was fine. I just freaked out. I just got in my own head. Um, But I'll never forget. He's like, he he grabbed me this. I want to say he's a surgeon, but he wasn't. But he grabbed me and he goes, you need to get an IV. (laughs) I didn't want one. I'm sorry. (laughs) And he goes, it's just better than you're already hooked up if we need to give you anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So then went from the needle biopsy to the OB to check on Nora just to make sure that the stress that she was doing fine. Um. And then went home, and that was actually on Alex and I's 10-year anniversary. It was uh, our 10-year anniversary of us being together was the needle biopsy. So he was like, we're going to go out to dinner still. Like, get yourself dressed. So we went dressed. We went out to our favorite restaurant, had dinner. That was on a Monday evening. And then two days later, I went to the OB. I showed her this weird rash I had. And she's like, oh, that's shingles. And I was like, oh, I thought it was. I forgot about this. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, I thought that was just the pregnancy rash. Okay. So she gives me some medicine for that and sends me home. And I get a phone call from the ENT. And he goes, hey, Allie. He goes, and this is a phone call. He goes, do you have a few minutes to talk? And I'm like, yeah, the cleaning ladies are cleaning my house. Because at this point, I was too stressed, too pregnant to to do all the things. So bless Anna. She was keeping my house clean twice a month. And the cleaning ladies were there. And Alex was working from home. And I I yelled down. I was like, Alex, it's the doctor. And I go into my bedroom. And I shut the door. And I remember him saying that, we got your biopsy results back. And unfortunately you have Hodgkin's lymphoma, which I didn't know what Hodgkin's lymphoma was. Mm. And he goes, it's a form of blood cancer. And like, I, I knew, I knew I was sick. I sat on my floor that morning before going to the OB and said, Alex, I have cancer. I know I have cancer. And that was the worst, the worst day of, my life at 38 weeks pregnant wow. with my first child, my first pregnancy, um, being to be told that, about that and mm-hmm. like, get ready. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, we don't know what stage it is. It's, um, I'm going to get you in contact with a great oncologist and he's going to get you in right away. And we're going to get you answers and we're going to figure this out. So then it turned into, well, then back up a little bit. Then Alex walked in the room and he sees the tears coming down my face and I put it on speaker. And then he has the devastating realization that he just told me I had, his wife has cancer. And that day was a blur. Alex took the lead on calling a few family and friends that knew I was going undergoing the testing. Um, I got numb. I probably told some of my friends in like a very matter of a fact way because I was so numb. I was just, I, I didn't have a choice, but to handle it. Like I became into, okay, well, what do I do? Like, 
what is the next step? Am I going to be induced? When am I going to be induced? When do I see the oncologist? Like it, it became like, it got all got very blurry and it all just became like an autopilot. Like I was just there. Um, it was, I remember, and if my mom listens to this, I, uh, she'll probably cry, but I remember telling Alex, I was like, you have to get Emily, who is my older sister. She needs to go to mom's house. She needs to be there. She needs to go to mom's house. This is, this is, this is not going to be something. I said, I can't do it. And someone needs to be there. And all my siblings, my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law, they all, my sister went and then my brother went over later that night. And I just being a mom now, I can't, ima- I can't imagine um, what my mom was feeling in, in just, yeah. But she, Alex handled telling everybody for the most part. And then we asked everyone. So we told immediate family and closest friends who knew I was going through testing and then we asked everyone else to keep, we said, keep it a secret because I wanted to bring Nora into this world. And even though I felt like my world was falling apart and nothing was normal and nothing was okay, mm-hmm. I needed that first few weeks of her being here to feel as normal as they could from the outside yeah. looking in. And I stopped posting on social media as much in that like week time frame between getting the diagnosis and being induced uh, to have Nora. And a couple people reached out and were like, "Oh, I, I hope I, I see you've been quiet on here. Like, I hope baby Nora's came. Like, we can't wait. Her babies came." And um, when in reality, we were just thrown into the fire of you know yeah. sitting in an oncology office. I mean, I remember sitting in the oncology office, in the waiting room, Alex had to fill out my paperwork because I was just crying and shaking. And here I am 38 weeks. I'm huge. And everyone else, I look around and they're all 70 plus. And here I am. I'm like, how, how, why are we here? Like how unlucky, like, why are we like, I don't belong here. This doesn't make sense. And my oncologist was great and he rushed as much as he could rush and he worked with my OB and I had fan, I had wonderful care. I had wonderful care in figuring out how to navigate those next few weeks, but we were definitely, uh, our, the birth of Nora didn't look like how we ever imagined it would. No. In terms of what we were thrown into after that and and having the diagnosis and, and just, you know, I was just, I was terrified. I still, oh. I still will get terrified at times when things happen. And it's just something that you never know when you're, t- you never know in life, like mm-hmm. every day people, it's corny, people say it, it's a gift, but you never know. But I was faced with the reality of knowing, like I was faced with the diagnosis of having to fully realize how fragile life can be. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you were in, induced, did you have to have a C-section then or no? 
No, they were just worried about my airways if they had to do an emergency C-section because the lump, there was so much going on on my neck and my collarbone. They waited a week to induce me because of the shingles. They wanted me to be on an antiviral for a week. And then they induced me. I had Nora. I had a great, I mean, I had a great labor and delivery. Honestly, it was fine. Um, And then, so I had her on a Friday got sent home on Sunday. And on Monday, I had two doctor's appointments, one with my oncologist. Both of them were virtual, thank goodness. Um, One with my oncologist to figure out what comes next and another with a fertility specialist at OSU to talk about what fertility was going to look like after cancer and chemo, Mm -hmm. which most new moms don't have to go through that on their first. Most new moms get to be in bliss of yeah, bl- bliss and also a little bit of pain and recovery. Um, but you're in that newborn bliss and you're not worried about anything yeah. versus we were thrown into when's my next doctor's appointment? When's my next scan? You know, it was just for a while there, it was just doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment, whether it was for me or for Nora. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Nora, she was born and she mm-hmm. was totally healthy. She's everything. perfect. Yeah. Awesome. She's perfect. We did. She was born with the cord wrapped around her neck twice oh and her body, gosh. which what a like blessing in disguise of being induced because you know, who knows what could have happened or would have happened if, because we never caught it on any of the ultrasounds. We didn't know. Um, So she came out purple, but crying. Good. Wow. That is insane. So how soon after her arrival did you like start chemo? I think it was four weeks, five weeks. Oh my gosh, Allie. And you went in for like, chemo infusions, right? It wasn't an oral Mm -hmm. chemo. Right. I had to go into the treatment center. So we started, she was four. She was, she was less than a week old when I had to go to the James for a second opinion. Um, Just because my doctor being as great as he is, he wanted to make sure he was having multiple doctors look at my scans and look at everything to make sure that they agreed with his treatment plan, um, which I'm so appreciative of that. He was like, Hey, this is what I feel is right for her. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. And so obviously Nora is not even a week old. We're not going to leave her with anybody. So Alex stayed in the car with Nora and I walked into the James, which is a huge, I mean, if you've ever been to the gym, you may hopefully you've never been there, but it's huge. I mean, yeah. I had to walk in, wait in line, go to reception, get a sticker, then go to the oncology floor. And all I see around me is cancer patients. And I'm like, mm. that's going to like, what? Like, this is me. That's going to be me. And, um, and to do it all alone, like not have mm-hmm. Alex there with you. Like, right. And then he called. So then I called him so he could be on the phone. But then I guess Nora peed everywhere in the car and she was screaming and not having it. And she was cold. So he eventually hung up and I was like, like that was stressing me out. But then I felt so much mom. I think that's, I don't know if I've talked enough about, about the mom guilt. Like I'm supposed to be there with Nora. I'm supposed to be taking care of her. I'm supposed to be snuggling her, holding her, being her comfort. She's been in my body for not like, 
I'm all she's ever known. And here I am having to leave her to go to doctor's appointments and scans. And there was doc, there was times I couldn't hold her for 12 hours after I would get the PET scan. And that was awful. And so there's just, there was a lot of intricacies that went with it that, you know, I just, you don't know what it's going to be like until you're, you're in it and you're forced to go through it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my God. This is so heavy. It is. And I, it is. I like don't even know how to respond. Like, yeah. And I mean, I can talk because I've talked about it so much. I can talk about it without mm-hmm. getting too emotional. Um, and, and my hope is that maybe me sharing my story will like, if, if I could change one thing, I wish I would have said, Hey, I wish I would have posed the question to my care team to say, Hey, will giving me two weeks at home with Nora before you force, before I have to go get a PET scan and a doctor's appointment and a fertility specialist, will that change my prognosis? Because I didn't ask that question. And and everyone was, when you get diagnosed with cancer or anything, they, they want to get going as fast as they can and get answers as fast as they can so they can start treating it as fast as they can. Um, but I have a lot of, I don't want to use, uh, I don't want to use the word trauma lightly, but there is still... I mean, I remember sitting on my back porch talking to the fertility specialist, having to make a decision of, are we doing egg retrieval? How will this like change? Like we just had our first baby. I didn't know how to make a decision about what all future fertility looked like. And I didn't have time. Like it was like a, Hey, if you want to do this, let me know tomorrow. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. That's not a light question. (laughs) And I wish that I would have had the confidence and knowledge, but I didn't to say, to ask the question. So if anyone's listening to this and ever, I hope they never find themselves in a, in a position where the timing is they're diagnosed while pregnant or they're diagnosed right after being, having a baby. The thing I would recommend to them is ask your care team, do I have two weeks basically for you to leave me alone so I can snuggle my baby and have this time before you throw me into I mean, it was, I was so tired of being poked and prodded. It, I mean, I was going to the doctor almost every day. That's exhausting. Did they give you any kind of prognosis, like sooner versus later to know? Like, I just, I'm not even a mom and I can't even put myself in that position, but it would be so weird to try and balance your thoughts of like, I just had a baby and thinking mm-hmm. about their future and your future as their mom and being present for their life. But then it's like, should I even allow myself to think about that? Like yeah. I, I can't even imagine how stressful and it is traumatic. Like, I think that that's a fine word for you to yes. use, but I, like, I just have so many thoughts about the like deep emotions of like questions that you had circulating in your mind where it's like, how did you manage caring for this newborn baby mm-hmm. when you didn't feel like it because of chemo or like, how did you process like, I know that you lost your hair and all of that. And I get that that's probably like low level compared to everything else, but it's still something that I think, especially as women, like that's big to us too. Like, how do you even balance all of that while you still have this new baby that you're supposed to be excited about? Like I just, you are so strong and like, I get that everything happens for a reason, but it is so unfair that this happened to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It, 
if anything, it's, it has completely changed our outlook on life. And I will say I didn't get through it alone. It, it was an army who was behind me. It, it was Alex. It was our families. It was our friends. It was our extended family, extended friends. It was people bringing us meals. So I think I, I had to go through it and I had to be the one with the pain and the symptoms and, you know, losing my hair and being fearful. Was I going to make it to Nora's first birthday? And, you know, all these things, you know, being sick from chemo, laying in bed for four days, but there was an army of people making sure Nora and Alex and, and everyone was working behind the scenes to take care of me and take care of my family. And I didn't do that alone. And I, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, you know, pass me for a second that, there was a lot of people, even those that weren't there helping single-handedly, who were praying for us, who were sending letters, who were sending gifts, who were just letting me know they were thinking of me. Um, We were very, very blessed to have a bunch of people behind us to help me get through it. So Mm -hmm. the things that I had to focus on when I was sick was resting and getting better, which was usually I always got treatment on Thursdays so that way family could help us through the weekend. So I was sick Thursday through Sunday and then Monday I would wake up and I would pretend life was normal and I would jump back into mom mode and working out and exercising and working. I I listed a house from my wow. chemo chair before. Oh my gosh. Um, I just didn't, I had to stick with my routines because it was the only thing that made me feel kind of like less chaotic or less out of touch with the reality that was going on. And so that was the first six, seven months of Nora's life because I did had to do six months of treatment. Okay. That was my gonna be my question. And then was that was that all or did you have to do another round? So I did twelve rounds okay. of chemo, but it was every other week. So that was the six months. Oh okay. so my doctor um wanted to avoid radiation and we thought luckily we're able to um because that helps me have a better chance of having more children Mm -hmm. um and so i did six months of that and then we did scans every i'm trying to remember it was three months or six months i think we had a follow-up every three months, but we did scans every six months. And so did that for a few scans. They were all looking clear. Um, My last scan was August of last year. And so I'm coming up. Actually, it's, I didn't think about this when you asked me to be on your podcast, but Saturday will be the two year uh, anniversary of finishing chemo. So I finished chemo on October 14th, 2021. Um, and so we're coming up on that two-year mark. So I'm going to have more scanning and tests going into this fall. And hopefully everything continues to look good and is in remission. And they'll do that for five years. And then once I hit the five-year mark of clear scans, then I'll be considered cured. Wow. Wow. This is insane, Allie. I, like, I, <laughs> I admire you so much more now knowing all of it, like – just how strong you seem to have been, maybe not in the moment, 
like you didn't think so, but like to have gone through all of that while being pregnant, while having a newborn, I truly cannot imagine. So I admire you. I think when you're not faced with a choice, like mm-hmm. everyone, but I, I think as humans, we're a lot stronger than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. And when you're, especially mm-hmm. when you're a parent and you know, you have this child that you love with everything, every ounce of being that you are, you'll, you find the strength somewhere. Yeah. Wow. I do think it's a testament to your character too, where I'm like asking you all these questions about how you personally got through it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I I'm crediting all these people in my corner. I just think that speaks volumes too. Like I, I just feel like I would have been like in this huge spiral and stuck in my Mm -hmm. own head. And I get that there was probably some of that to your story too, but just the fact that you credit other people is Mm -hmm. a testament to the kind of person you are too. Yeah. And I don't want it to seem like I didn't have my breakdown. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I sat on the shower floor and just bawled my eyes out or the number of times, I mean, towards the end of treatment, things got really hard. And I told Alex, like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to go back. I can't go back. I can't do it. I can't do it. I would lay in bed. And towards the beginning of treatment, I would get out of bed by Saturday um, and I'm sure this is really hard for, cause like I didn't see it happening to me, but Alex saw it happening to me. My mom mm-hmm. saw it. My in-laws saw it. Like my friend, everyone saw it. But at some point I was like, I can't, I can't go back. I can't do this. I can't be that sick again. And so it started to be longer. It would take me to get out of bed. Like Alex would have to kind of coerce me to be like, come sit, come lay on the couch. Can you come lay on the couch? Can you get out of the bedroom? You can, you can do it. Come look at Nora. She's doing this. And cause it, it just chemo is awful. Like there's no better way to say it, but you're so sick. It's, mm-hmm. you're just sick. And they, I had a lot of good medication to try to keep the symptoms down. I never actually puked, right? Everyone's like, Oh, we oh. sick all the time. No, but I also never threw up during pregnancy because I just don't, you know, some people like throw up their whole pregnancy, but mm-hmm. they're pukers. Sorry. This is like <laughs> sidebar conversation, but no. if people get diagnosed, like I want them to know, like, it's not always what you see on wow. the movies. Like what, yeah. what, what they portray cancer as on the movies, you may feel like that for a few days, but I was living life and I was exercising and I was working and I was doing all those things between treatments. So I, I would feel good loosely. I'm going to use good loosely because yeah, you're on steroids and chemo. You're not going to feel that good. But for that week between treatments. And so if anyone is not sure what, like if they're ever diagnosed it's not, I was very concerned about what the movies portrayed it to be. And while it is really bad, it's not always, it all, it all depends on what treatment you're on. But I was able to still exercise and eat and do mom and work and wife all between treatments after a few days of being sick. Wow. Truly incredible. Ugh. I, I know that when we kind of like were talking about what we wanted to talk about, you mentioned like therapy a little bit for you as well, mm-hmm. which like I would need so much. Um, uh-huh. Were you 
doing that at all, like before all of this happened? Or was this kind of like the catalyst for you to start therapy? Yeah. So I started therapy when I was pregnant with Nora. So that's when I started to get more anxiety and started to feel more overwhelmed and feeling like, how am I going to juggle this all? And I was just feeling a lot of like, how do I build the life I want to be as a working mom? And do I want to work? And don't I want to work? And how do I run a career? And what are finances going to look like? And just a lot of anxiety that came up during pregnancy. So (laughs) (laughs) all of that. Yes, all of it. And so I started going to therapy when I was pregnant and thank goodness I did. And then kept seeing a therapist all through treatment, still see a therapist. I've gone as frequently as weekly and as uh, infrequently as like every two to three weeks. And so that's something that I openly share and talk about. I love my therapist. I've seen a couple different ones, um, but my therapist I had during being pregnant and then towards the end of going through cancer or chemo, I started seeing her again just because they matched me up with someone who was a cancer survivor and she was awesome and very helpful to get me through that season. But I felt like I needed to go back to my therapist that I really, really connected with in terms of life and motherhood and survivorship and all these. And even though she didn't directly have a ton of experience in cancer therapy or cancer counseling or whatever, Mm -hmm. she still connected with me so much that I thought she was the better fit for helping me get through the trauma and the pain and the fear and the anxiety and all the things that come with, um, you know, worrying about, are you going to make it to, you know, your daughter's first birthday. And we planned, we planned a big cancer anniversary trip. So that was the other thing. Like we did things to look forward to. So my family and friends, we planned a big trip to the beach for after Nora's first birthday. So it was almost like a year after I was more than a year after I was diagnosed about a year after I started chemo. And so we had that, that we always looked forward to as well. Wow. That's awesome. That's a good, a good thing to look forward to. And just, mm-hmm. wow. I feel like I don't know. Like, I think this is your story, but I'm like, I feel like we went through something. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. So I guess before we like kind of start to wrap things up, one question that I'm like really curious, because I, I always like, I don't want to say I like hearing people's stories when they go through something really hard, but I do think that it deeply changes you as a person and sometimes mm-hmm. for the better. And I think that's obvious with you like you were mature when I knew you in high school and like whoa that's more evident now (laughs) but if you could talk to yourself when you found out you were pregnant Mm -hmm. when you found out that you had cancer like what would you say now knowing this is where you're at oh a lot of things (laughs) um but I think one of the biggest things I would remind myself is you're doing a good job you're doing enough um you're going to be okay. You will get through this. There is another side outside of treatment. You will feel beautiful again. You will be able to run a half marathon again. Um, You will see your daughter's first birthday. You will take her to all the fun things. You will take her to the beach on that family trip. I think I would just 
tell myself that I was doing a good job because take cancer even out of it. A lot of, I mean, I've only had one baby, but motherhood is hard. Postpartum is hard. And so I think so often we look around us and we judge ourselves or we don't give ourselves enough grace. I still don't like, I, I don't give myself enough grace on a daily basis of everything that I'm juggling. And I'm constantly like, I need to tell myself today, even that it's okay to slow down. It's okay to rest. But if I could go back in knowing what I know now, it would be that I was doing a good job and that I was being what Nora needed, even though I felt a lot of, a lot of guilt around losing four days with her every other week because I was sick. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine like the kind of bond that your little family has having mm-hmm. gone through all of that together. Like Nora was inside you when that was going mm-hmm. on and Alex having to watch you go through that. Like, do you feel like there would be, I mean, obviously there has to be some kind of huge difference had this not happened to you. Yeah. 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 I think you know, some of the biggest things is we very much so I mean the biggest reason we're building a house right now is right like we would like more space and we would like um to be a little bit more out in the country even though I said I moved to Columbus because I was going to live city life and I grew up on 10 acres in the middle of nowhere basically and I was like I'm not gonna do that and (gasps) here I am eating my words I am doing that um but I think I mean what we're striving for and we're not totally there yet. We haven't totally figured out, but with the build, our goal and our future and our plan all along has to build this house on a little bit of land with the woods and the Creek and live a slower life with our family day to day. I've designed the kitchen sink so that way I'm looking out the window at the future playset of Nora and hopefully future kids playing on it. And the dream of Alex taking her fishing in the river out back and taking her on evening family walks where we can watch the leaves change. So building the house is a whole other conversation Mm -hmm. podcast and what that's been and what a a journey it's been. But that's what we're working towards and we're almost there. So we bought the land in 2021 when I was going through treatment and we started building on it right after treatment. And the goal is to get to that place. That's, I think the biggest way it's changed us is we want life to slow down. We don't want to keep being this busy. I don't want to keep working this hard. I'll always work hard, (laughs) but I may not need to sell those 30 plus houses a year, the 35, you know, I, I am very passionate about my career. I love my clients. I love being a mom and I want to be able to have that little bit of protected peace at our home, sitting on the back porch, having coffee with my husband and watching Nora play. Mm -hmm. You deserve it. Yeah, you deserve it. And more. And more. (laughs) The world. Oh, Oh. Allie, I appreciate you so much coming on and talking to us about Mm. life and everything. Um, Just incredible. (laughs) I'm like speechless. (laughs) Is there um, 
like anything else you want to say, or I know that we want to provide you the space to be like, I'm, you know, I'm in Columbus. So if you Mm -hmm. have, yeah, promote yourself is basically the gist of it. Well, first and foremost, if anyone ever finds themselves in a situation, I've been able to connect with a lot of, not a lot, a handful of women who have also gone through a getting a cancer diagnosis when they were pregnant. I've been able to offer advice to family members, like, you know, people who have reached out because they're family members of a loved one who were diagnosed with cancer. And so first and foremost, as it relates to this topic, like I would, I'm always an open book. I'm happy to help anyone, whether it's now, you know, someone's going through their own diagnosis and they want to know what is it going to be like to lose your hair? How did you get through it? What are the softest chemo caps? Or it's a loved one who says, what do they actually need? Because they probably don't need fuzzy socks. They probably need you to cook them a meal and come clean their house. You know what I mean? Like, I want to hopefully try to be a resource for people who find themselves going through the unfortunate things that I had to. Um, But obviously, I am a a local Columbus realtor. I love helping people. buy and sell their houses. Uh, I work all over Columbus. Um, I love what I do. I love my clients. I pretty much serve everywhere. I do buyers and sellers. So, I mean, that's, that's my day job, but I think there's more (laughs) important things that if I can be a resource to people, whether it's through motherhood or cancer or, you know, fitness, not, I'm not a fitness guru, but I did, I did manage to run a half marathon three weeks after chemo ended. (laughs) I didn't run it. I walked a lot. I walked a lot. It was like three hours. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So how can we find you? I will link it in the show notes as well, but for anyone. So my Instagram is Allie.BB and my Facebook is just AllieBB. I have a website. It's not live (laughs) working yet. I really need to work on it. Um, That's hard. So just connect with me on Instagram. Instagram is probably the easiest place that I connect with people the most on. Perfect. Amazing. Awesome. I don't know how to like tie this up other than just saying thank you again. You have such an inspirational story. And even just as like a back person that's like slightly known you, I was very invested, but I was like, we don't know each other enough. I've always wanted to be friends with her, but just like watching you and the way you've dealt with so much hardship with such grace. I know I'm seeing it through the lens of social media, but that's even emphasized and you telling it now and seeing you like face to face, you know, through a screen, but yeah. you're just an inspiration and I want to be friends. <laughs> Thank you. I want to be friends with you guys. Thank you for creating this platform and for giving me the opportunity to share my story. That's been my goal you know, the whole time is, yeah. like I said, you walk through things and maybe there's reasons for why you walk through things and good that can come of it. And so if my story can help someone else, then mm, I want there to be some good that comes out of a bad mm-hmm. situation. It's seriously incredible, Allie. Everything you've been saying, incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to share your story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Yes. I think that's a beautiful way to end it. <laughs> 
Thank you so, so much for listening to Want Her with your girlfriends, Sandy and Olivia. We hope this chat has motivated you to chase those dreams, take hold of your mental health, or finally let out that inner weirdo. Maybe even all three. If you're a fan of what we do, we'd sincerely appreciate it if you subscribed and rated us five stars. Talk to you next time.